You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Several veterans in the White Sox organization have privately expressed they would welcome a trade. None of the players, however, have formally asked the White Sox front office to trade them. This was hidden in an article by Bob Nightingale covering the White Sox for USA Today. And you take that and you take Pedro's comments, his weird comments on Father's Day, where he's trying to explain why Jake Berger is batting eighth and he does this, like, talk to Jerry thing. And then you hear John Heyman go on 670 to score and say Pedro's a one-and-done manager. It's like shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic and everybody's trying not to go down with the ship. And you knew this was going to happen, and I think it's going to get a lot more interesting in the next couple of weeks, my friend. Well, yeah, you're not going to see White Sox players publicly asking for a trade because that never really works for guys, does it? You come out and you say, I want to be traded, well, and then the team's never going to get value for them. So they're all smart. They know how it works. You don't you don't publicly ask for a trade. That's an NFL bit, right? And that's all that is is just to get the contract with the better-looking dollars and, and more money, you know, slightly more money guaranteed because nothing in, on an NFL contract is ever guaranteed. What you have here is you basically have a team full of players who are tired of it. You've got a manager who thought he was getting an opportunity to actually manage a team, and clearly he's not getting an opportunity to manage a team or bring in some outside influences or change the system or change how the players prepare or do anything different than what was done before because he's getting told what to do from on high. And, you, you know, some of that frustration does surround a guy like Jake Berger because you can't tell me a guy who's popular amongst his teammates. You can't tell me a guy who has persevered through a whole bunch of stuff and, by the way, was teammates with a bunch of these guys in the minors as well and they saw firsthand what he was going through and the injuries and all that stuff. You can't tell me that watching him get disregarded by the team repeatedly and over and over again and basically said he's not a guy that they're going to build around. He should be... He should be the biggest marketing piece that the White Sox have right now because his teammates love him, fans love him, his manager clearly loves him. Everybody seems to love him except for the guys who are in charge who are still trying to tell you that Yohan Moncada is a good baseball player. This episode of Sox in the Basement and every episode of Sox in the Basement is brought to you by the home of the podcast for fans by fans, Cork and Carey at the park in the shadow of the ballpark at 33rd and Princeton. Award-winning menu of burgers and ballpark favorites. The place to pregame. Get out there. Bring the family. Indoor-outdoor seating. Full bar. Great menu. Good price. Amazing atmosphere. I don't know what else I can say. After the game, have a drink. Commiserate or celebrate. It's always great. At Cork and Carry at the park, 33rd in Princeton. See more at corkandcarry.com. Before we get in to the quote that Pedro had on Sunday, and we're going to get into it, do you think that he is a guy who's stuck in a situation that he can't, he can't make the lineup decisions? Because I don't think he's making the lineups. And we went through this on a previous show that Ricky Renteria didn't get to make his lineups. 
And I don't think that Pedro's getting like the full, he gets to make up whatever he wants to make up. I think there's an awful lot coming from the front office. And do you believe that he is not allowed to do what he wants to do and just isn't vocal enough like an Ozzie Guillen was? When Ozzie was mad at what Kenny was giving him, he would just send a guy out there to die and then he'd be in the comments in the in the press saying, well, this is the guy that gave me to play this position, but he clearly isn't the right guy for it. Like he forced change after his season in 2004 where they got rid of players that were high up on the marketing ranks within the team, right? Maglia Ordonez out the door, Carlos Lee out the door because Ozzy didn't want them and he basically was vocal in the press and Pedro's just not that guy. And maybe that's the problem and that's why he looks so inept. Or is he a company man who's going to give you the company line and should just be added into the group of guys that need to be thrown out into the street from Kenny Williams to Rick Hahn to Chris Getz to, to anybody within that scouting department who can't identify a Zach Remillard. And, and we have to wait all this time till he gets up here. And here's a guy that could have been helping you and probably should have been considered coming out of spring training where they can't identify that Jake is a guy that should be making the opening day roster, but he has to earn his way on and fight constantly for playing time when he's the best hitter you have on your team or one of them. He's right there with Luis Robert, and Robert's been just as streaky as Berger's been. So is it that Pedro's a company man, and he should be thrown out with the rest of the trash to fix this team? Or is he a guy in an unfortunate situation, and he's kind of stuck because he can't do exactly what he wants to do with personnel? Well, I think you were wrong in your first assessment that he's not capable of doing, or he's not personality-wise, what Ozzie Guillen was when he wanted change affected in 2004 after the 2004 season. Because Ozzie Guillen coming in to manage the White Sox was Ozzie Guillen. He was a longtime White Sox player. He was a hero on the South Side to many. We were fans of Ozzie Guillen, the shortstop. So being fans of Ozzie Guillen, the manager, was an easy thing. He was, as a point, a company guy. I think you got to change what company guy means a little bit with, with Jerry Reinsdorf here, Okay. Ozzie was somebody that that basically Jerry could sit there and go, he's part of the White Sox family, that's why I brought him back in. Ozzie, being Ozzie, one, we know what his personality type is, but two, we also know that he had a way bigger leash because he had a reputation and he had a fandom, and you couldn't mess with him quite as easily as you could with Pedro Grafal because who the hell is Pedro Grafal? He's a guy from the Kansas City Royals that was brought in to manage this team because Tony La Russa failed. And Tony La Russa was only here because Ricky Renneria can't shed the label that he's only a guy that can help you build up a team, but he can't take you to the next level. Pedro has no stroke with the fans. He has no stroke with the front office. He has nothing. And I think he would love to be vocal in the press. I think he would love to let guys go out there and rot and then be able to turn around and say, yeah, but this isn't the right guy in this right spot because he's going to get fired. I think what's going to end up happening for poor Pedro is he's going to get fired anyway. I think when Bob Nightingale saying he's a one and done manager, he's a one and done manager. So it, it, the, the unfortunate part for him is, is that I think he knows exactly what he wanted to do with this roster. I think he knows exactly where he wanted players to play. I think he knows at this point in the season, who he's got, that's an asset and who he's got. That's a liability. I don't think he's got any control over it. I don't think he's got any ability to, 
do anything about it because if he's a guy that goes against his general manager and goes against his front office publicly as a rookie manager who has really no other, really nothing else to fall back on as far as leeway from the team, he's just going to look bad out for the rest of the teams, right? They're just going to say, even if they know what it, what a, a, a dumpster fire the White Sox are, he, they're, they're not going to want a guy that goes out there and trashes the front office. They're not going to hire him. This may be his last shot at it. If he gets fired and everybody looks at him and goes, yeah, but that's Rick Hahn, that's Kenny Williams, that's Jerry Reinsdorf, Pedro might actually be a decent manager someday, he might get another shot. So he's stuck. I think he is stuck in an untenable position where he knows that if he does his job the way he wants to do it, he will get fired. If he does his job and says things about it the way he wants to talk about it, he will get fired. If he sits back and has to still tow the company line, he's still he's going to get fired anyway, but he's also going to get trashed in the media for being ineffective. Right. I mean, so, it's basically, how do I get, when I get fired, can I make sure it doesn't ruin my career forever? That That's what it kind of exactly. looks like with this poor guy. I mean, here's the quote. Jake Berger was batting eighth on Sunday. You know, of course, the press corps is going to be like, why is one of the best offensive producers on your on your team batting eighth? Doesn't make any sense. And Pedro's quote is, quote, I'm going to put the lineup out there I think is going to help us win. I don't have to answer those people who don't like the lineup. He's in the lineup. He's going to get four at-bats, help us win. Other than that, they can talk to Jerry. Now, there's two things here. First of all, when you have a number eight hitter, they don't normally get four at-bats. So that was a terrible quote. You don't seem to understand that the guys at the top of the order are more likely to get four at-bats than the guys at the bottom of the order. And let me see, two days earlier, the number eight hitter only had three at-bats. So that's just flawed logic, and it makes you sound stupid. You you need to do better uh, when you're going to try to explain that, because that's a terrible explanation. The quote at the end, though, where he says, other than that, they can talk to Jerry. He didn't even say talk to Rick. He didn't say talk to Kenny. He said talk to the old man who owns the team. What does that mean? Is Jerry making lineups? Is he fed up already with the organization? He's just going to say talk to the guy who owns it? I don't know what that means, Ed. What does it mean? Taking a long, drawn-in, deep breath, <laughs> giving it all the thought, power, and consideration I have. I have no idea other than the fact that that is a man who is clearly frustrated and clearly getting some contrarian things from on high where it, the there's got to be something, okay, where they are, are being – they are, they being the front office and the ownership – must be telling him something about burying Jake Berger. They're involved somehow. They're, they, what, what, the only thing I got out of it is that somehow on high, they are involved in how he's deploying players. And it's not just Berger. Like we're focusing on Berger because it's the most it's the most glaring thing, right? To have a guy who's producing the way he's producing and to have a guy who's hitting that many home runs, to put him in the bottom of the order. Anybody who's learned anything about baseball in their entire life would sit there and say, why is one of your top offensive home run hitting players getting less at bats at the bottom of your order? It stands out. It sticks out. You've been making lineups as a little kid on video games and with your Stratomatic baseball and when you and, and your coaches did it for Little League and everybody does that. They put their most their best offensive producers and the guys that can clear the bases in the three spot, in the four spot, in the five spot. They don't put them in the eight spot, right? 
You don't do that. You have a school of thought where sometimes you put that guy in the two spot, but you don't put him in the eighth spot. You don't give him the least amount of at-bats in the team other than the guy who's batting at the very bottom of the order. So, I mean, like, it does seem, I mean, that's the most glaring thing is the burger thing, but I wonder if that if that also tells you that there's a lot of meddling going on right now and that he may have come in there and said, this guy's a slouch or this guy isn't playing the way he should be playing the game or I want to put impose some sort of discipline on this or I want to move Tim Anderson down and he was told, no, I don't know if that's what happened, but you could, that quote telegraphs to me that he's like a hostage and he's, you know, he can't do exactly what he wants to do. Now, I don't know if he's a good manager and he's done a lot of things lately that have made me feel like he's incompetent, but I don't know how many decisions are actually his. Socks in the Basement listeners, switch to a new age of life. Keep mom and dad, grandma and grandpa out of assisted living. Make it so they can get around on their own and live independently in the house they want to be in. Stair lifts, ramps, grab bars, lift chairs, even bathroom remodeling, all of it available at Hyatt Home Medical Equipment. My back went out. I was done for a couple of weeks. I couldn't do very much of anything. Hyatt's got stuff for those of you who have just had a surgery or recent injury and you're going to work your way back. They're going to work with your insurance. They have 0% financing for qualified individuals. And those of you that mentioned socks in the basement get an additional discount. They have the latest in CPAP machines and continuous glucose monitors. Learn all about them. See what they do at HHME.com or stop in and see them today. 3518 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park. But it really does seem that Pedro is hamstrung. Not only do you not know how many decisions are his, but to sit there and you even said it, you're like, well, how do you not understand that the the eighth place hitter gets only three at-bats when he says he'll get four at-bats? He knows. He knows exactly what it is. And that's a man that's frustrated because he's sitting there going, I I can't give you guys an answer. I can't give you the answer I want to give you, which is, this is ridiculous. I really think you should be my cleanup hitter every day. But to your point, again, Tim Anderson has been languishing at the top of the lineup before he he mercifully hurt his shoulder and got out of the lineup for a couple of days. And I say that, again, not ragging on Tim Anderson, but the, the man needs a break. He needs to get himself back together. If he is injured, he needs to heal up. You should have been sitting at the bottom of the order for a long time at this point, working it out in the in the last three spots. Exactly. He needed to make a change with Tim Anderson to get the guy right, okay? And not in the leadoff spot. Andrew Benintendi is fine as a fill-in leadoff hitter. It's not saying that you, you sign the guy because you think he's a great leadoff hitter, but that's why Benintendi's here, because he can hit at the top, he can hit at the bottom, wherever. He's not allowed to do that, clearly. Right. It, it, it took Anderson not being able to throw to first to basically get him on the bench. It took Anderson not hitting at all. I mean, it, it was so glaring that he finally moved him down to the two spot. And it wasn't even, you know, it's not even that far of a dip. But yeah, there, there is this thing. Jake Berger is the big glaring thing. Okay. But Yoan Moncada uh, continuing to be in the lineup was also kind of a thing that I think everyone's sort of looking at. The idea that Romy Gonzalez, now Romy has performed better at times than than what he was at the beginning of the season. But the idea that Romy Gonzalez is the answer to the question, the eternal question of what do we do in both right field and second base simultaneously, because that was the Ben Zobras 2.0 comment. Look, he's our right fielder and our second baseman. He's amazing. It's just, it's it, it, it's baffling. And it's got to be baffling to a guy like Pedro Grafold to sit there and say, yeah, I can make the lineup cards and I have the ability to put Jake Berger into the lineup, but 
I can't put them where I want to. And I can't discipline these guys the way I want to. And I can't get them to sign somebody. I can't give them get them to give me a sixth starter on this team. I keep having to figure out how to, to use Jesse Schultons. And, you know, he gets a save the other day, which means he's not starting, right? So I think Pedro is definitely being held hostage here. In, in a certain sense, he's being tied up. He's managing with, with hands tied behind his back. He's got one leg tied to those hands. He's got like half a blindfold on. You know, they've sewn part of his mouth shut. The poor guy, I mean, he's just, he's being tortured and he looks like what happens when a teddy bear and a pair of gym shoes get tangled up in a tornado. Right, it's either that or he's an idiot. Because Luis Robert Jr. is behind Jake Berger in OPS as we're sitting here talking and has 17 home runs compared to Berger's 16 home runs and nobody else is in double digits. And Berger was batting eighth and that was the best thing he could say. And, and I just don't get the idiot vibe off of Pedro. I didn't get the idiot vibe going into this season. I don't get the idiot vibe now. And with that, we're going to dive into our guest, who is probably sitting there thinking to herself, how did I end up on this episode? Ashlyn Berger, who is married to Jake Berger and is his number one publicist, is now joining us. She is brought to you by the Village of Lamont. Want to experience a downtown with real history, great eats and drinks, and green spaces filled with adventure? Visit the Village of Lamont, shop, dine, drink, explore, and see everything they have going on this weekend and beyond at LamontDowntown.com. Ashlyn, how are you? Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm great. How are you doing? Good. Uh, we're, we're talking about your husband today. We're, we're using uh, him as an example to talk about some things going on with the team. We think very highly of Jake. You know, we think he's killing it out there. Uh, he's hitting the ball really well. Uh, you know, I'd like to see him getting as many at bats as possible and as many games as possible because I think he's a heck of a hitter and he's been one of the things that's making this team go this year. How much do you feel like you have to hold back a little bit because he's your guy, you're rooting for him, <laughs> you know, and I know you like being on social media and I know you follow all of these these White Sox uh, bloggers and the, and, and, the, and the podcast and everything else like that. How much do you feel like you got to hold back a little bit because you, you realize you can't say too much about your feelings because you don't want to get in the way of his job yes um <laughs> sometimes it's difficult when it comes to like the baseball things i don't know what i'm talking about so i'm never <laughs> gonna jump in there and be like well he should be betting first i don't understand any of that and I, i'm not gonna attempt to learn where he goes and why or that doesn't bother me it's um i think it's hard for me to uh not it's hard for me to bite my tongue when we've, you know, well, he just strikes out all the time. There's 100 strikeouts and 16 home runs. So, you know, it's more strikeouts than home runs or whatever the case is. And I still don't know that much about baseball. But to me, I'm like, well, you got to kind of swing to hit the ball. So in my simple un-baseball knowledge logic, that's how it works in my head. So sometimes, you know, it's, it's hard not to defend the person you love. You let us you let us defend him because we're defending him on our show. We think he's great. Okay, Perfect. We think he's great. We think he's doing a great job. Uh, one of the things that we've also talked about on the show, and this is why I wanted to have you on, is you know, for years we've, we've talked about the there's a little bit of a disconnect sometimes between the players and, and the fan base. You don't, you know, when they come and they talk on uh, on shows, a lot of them don't, you know, float around into the, like the independent scene. You don't see the players interacting that much with the fans on social media. And you 
you've been kind of a window for all of us into the life of one of the ball players on the White Sox because you share so much about your family and Jake and, you know, everything from the beginning of your relationship through your marriage and your child. And we've all learned so much about you. And I think that it's kind of connected this fan base even a little bit more to Jake Berger because we've learned so much about him. We're able to follow what's going on in his life. Is that, was that intentional? Are you like some sort of marketing genius? Where did this come from? (laughs) I wish I was. No. Um, I think when like Jake and I had a conversation, like, Hey, we're going to have a baby, you know, it's either we're all in or we're all out, right. We're either going to share a hundred percent of our life with everybody or, you know, a lot of it with everybody, or we're going to share none of it. So we kind of have to be on, on one end of the spectrum or the other. I didn't really see a scenario where it was like, we're going to hide this from everybody, but they're only going to see you on the baseball field. And I think baseball is such a family sport. It's like such an old, you know, just feels, I don't know if this is the right term, but like an old American classic thing you do. And it's something that people go with their families to go and enjoy. And that's something I've learned now experiencing so many ballparks. And I just, I see a bunch of families and I just thought we, we needed to pick one or the other. And Jake is an open book. And so I just thought, well, it might help people connect with, you know, you and, and seeing your battle mentally, right. Of everything he's kind of had to overcome if they connect with us on a family level too. So we decided that we were going to be very open um, kind of from the beginning, especially when we knew we had Brooks. I know a lot of people want to protect their kids and everything. And we do our best with that with Brooks. But I think that it's something special, the position we're in with the platform Jake has and has built and is trying to build that, you know, we want people to feel like, you know, him and what you see on social media of anything I post or I tweet, that's a hundred percent, Jake. Like he is the guy that you think you know him to be. Like he is the guy that would sit with you at, with you at the bar and have a glass of bourbon or drink a beer. Like that is Jake. And so, you know, we just kind of wanted to be open with that too. We wanted people to feel like they knew him when he goes up to bat. At the beginning of the year, there, there was a big discussion: does he end up on the roster, or does he not end up on the roster? And then he doesn't initially break camp with the team. And then he gets on there and it just kind of feels like, well, let's see how long he can hang. How long is he going to be a part of the team? Now it feels like he ain't going anywhere the way he's hitting the ball. He's he's there. So, like, does that take a little bit of pressure off of a young family who's trying to figure out, like, where's where's Jake going to be playing? And, you know, is he going to be now? consistently going forward now on the major league roster? Did it give you a little bit of a breath and say, okay, now I know what we're doing? Um, No, (laughs) it doesn't. (laughs) Um, I wish it does. But Jake in the back of his head, he's like, you know, at any moment I could be going back to Charlotte. So like, let's just stay in the moment. He's a very day by day person. He's not looking ahead. Um, Even with getting nominated, being all-star, I told him he had no idea. Um, he's like, Oh, okay. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, well, like, we'll see, like, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. I'm like, aren't you excited? Well, I haven't made it yet. Go. Okay. Um, all right. And I mean, we plan our schedule like this week it's a homestand, but where would we be potentially going if we were back in Charlotte? Do I need a book of flight to Charlotte? Do we need to like have an idea that we're going to be in Charlotte or is there an away series in Charlotte? So we kind of always have like a plan A and a plan B. Um, I wish, <laughs> that that it gave me or Jake peace of mind, but it doesn't. I don't think Jake will ever really feel like, hey, I've made it. I think if he played in the league for 10 years straight um, or got to free, maybe until he hit like a free agency, then he'd be like, okay, 
I think I'm here to stay, but I think until that day comes, you know, six, seven, eight years down the line, I think he's always going to have that. He's always going to fight for where he is. Jake is the type of person where he's going to work as hard as he can to feel like he's earned his spot. He's not, he doesn't do well with things that are given to him. So he wants to earn it. And that means like every single season and every single day currently. So every day he goes there with the, you know, the mental, the mental space of how can I help my team win and how can I stay here? So, and those two things go hand in hand. I think uh, on one hand, as a fan, I love the fact that he's always going to be hungry and never comfortable. On the other hand, if they sent him down to Charlotte right now, there'd be pitchforks and torches down at 35th and Shields, because I don't think this fan base would be very happy about that. Let's talk about the All-Star thing real quick, because I see you you were excited about it online. You know, he's up against Shohei Otani, who's being compared to Babe Ruth on a regular basis. That's That's a pretty difficult guy to beat out for the DH spot on the ballot. Although he could end up, you know, they got uh, they got last guy in voting. They've got uh, things the players select guys to get in. There's there's other ways to get on the ballot if he doesn't beat out Shohei. You're telling me he's not paying a lot of attention to it or cross that bridge when it comes. You seem like, what can I do to get Jake on the All-Star team? Yeah, I mean, I think he, we all know that he's, he's not going to beat Shohei. Um, <laughs> no, he's not. He's not. Uh, he has a million. Yeah, that's never going to happen. And Jake's known that from day one. I think that's probably why he's like, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, I think it's more the idea of the excitement of, hey, I'm nominated. Or you're nominated. And like, it's something that we can do with the fan base. And it's fun. It's really, really fun. Um I didn't know that there was other ways to get voted in, so thank you. I've been spending like an hour every day, like sitting there on my computer. <laughs> well, they have all kinds of different ways. He can get in in other ways. If he doesn't win no the idea. vote, like first of all, every team, me. every team gets one representative. Okay, so it, like if no White Sox make it on, they're going to put at least one White Sox player on the roster. All right. I mean, there's a couple of guys from the team, but he'd at least be in the handful that would have an opportunity. Then they do this like last guy in fan voting where he could be selected as one of five in the American League and then there's five in the National League and the fans will get to vote. So then you're going to have fun with that because then you're pushing on social media to get as many votes as possible. Plus, like managers can add him. He could be an injury replacement like he could literally be the day before the game. You're talking about not knowing oh, wow. what you're doing. Day before the game, somebody could have an injury <laughs> and they could call him on the phone and say, we need you to get here. So, I mean, like, there's all these possibilities. So don't think it's just the vote. You're learning here today oh. on the show. Well, I'm definitely learning because I totally thought it was the vote. <laughs> <laughs> no, Major League Baseball makes everything more complicated than it needs to, Ashlyn. <laughs> Well, there we go. Yeah, I've been clicking away every day, so that makes me feel much better. Good, good. That's awesome. I'm glad we could help. Well, listen, uh, we love following what you guys are doing. Uh, you know, we, we love following Jake. I love seeing everything that's going on with the family. And it, you guys make it very easy to root for Jake Berger on the field. Oh, thank you. I think if you guys all knew him personally, you would think he's like a cousin or a brother or something. He's just that type of person. And so it's, it's a, it's music to my ears hearing you say that. Cause we just want to make everyone kind of feel like a family. We feel like Chicago has been really welcoming to us and has made us feel comfortable and feel like a family. And the fans are always nice and everyone's great no matter where we go. And so we just, kind of wanted just to have an open line of communication between us and them. So we hope Jake stays in Chicago. I know he wants to stay in Chicago like his whole career. That'd be awesome. So we just want to, you know, everyone to feel like we know, like they know him and us. 
Hailstorm Brewing Company is the official brewery of Socks in the Basement in Tinley Park at 8060 186th Street, right off of 80th Avenue. They have a scratch kitchen now opening at 11 a.m. Tuesday through Sunday. That way you get to enjoy that incredible menu for lunch. Get on over there, take a break in the middle of your day, have yourself a meal and maybe a beer. Great lunch specials daily over there. The smoked wings are so good, they're getting critically acclaimed. They were on Chicago's Best recently. I swear by the flatbreads and the pork belly sliders are some of the greatest things you can get on the south side. It's a beer hall. It's a working brewery. It's got an incredible tap room and an amazing outdoor patio. Some of the best beers in the south side are being brewed there by Will Turner, their head brewer. And we are so happy that they are our official brewery here at Sox in the Basement. Again, Tinley Park. Right off of 80th Avenue, 8060 186th Street. See more at hailstormbrewing.com. Before we get out of here, let's talk a little bit about Lance Lynn and uh, a game that was wasted. What do you have, 16 strikeouts? And I read something. 16 Ks. Yeah, yeah. I read something that was uh, that, that kind of stuck out to me, and it was in it was in a fantasy baseball publication after after that performance, where the evaluation was along the lines of he has too many pitches that do too many things similarly. And as he's getting older, it wasn't working for him this year. But something that they noticed was that he was trying to throw off the timing of hitters more so than he had done in all of his other starts, as if it was an old dog learning a new trick because that's what he had to do and that's the adjustment he had to make. And the team that he was going up against wasn't prepared for that because he hadn't done it up to that point. Do you do you see any credence in that, or what did you see in that start? A hundred percent. So Lance Lynn has been throughout this year basically a four seam fastball and cutter pitcher. All right, his four seam fastball usage hovers somewhere between a third of his pitches to half of his pitches thrown. And the cutter is pretty much the secondary pitch; it's the one that's right behind. He still throws a slider. He occasionally throws a changeup. He never throws a curveball. And he's got a sinker that he throws as well, but he doesn't throw it that often. Uh, usually somewhere tops out at about 15% of the time. So what he did differently, now he did this against the Dodgers too to a certain degree because he busted out the curveball. But he still threw his four-seamer 41% of the time, call it, against the Dodgers on the 13th, and it didn't go well. Against Seattle, when he's got the 16 Ks, he only threw his four-seam fastball 23% of the time. He threw the sinker about as often as he'd thrown it, a little bit more maybe than, than the last start against the Dodgers, but but about 18%, 17.5% of the time. His cutter usage is up to 31.5%. He throws the curveball 11.5% of his pitches that he threw, which is down slightly from the Dodgers game where he threw it a, a little over 12%. His slider usage was up from the Dodger game and about middle of the pack for where he normally throws it. And he threw about 10, 9.5%, 10% change-ups, which he's done before, but usually at the expense of the slider or the curveball. So the, what he presented, what he was against the Mariners, that he has not been at any point in his White Sox career, and I don't even, I, I'm not going to go back to when he was on the Cardinals and stuff like that, but certainly since he's been with the White Sox, what he was was a guy who threw everything moving. So nothing stayed still because it was mostly sinkers, cutters, curves, sliders, and change-ups. Those are all pitches that have movement to him. His four-seam is the flattest thing he's got. 
And he's just not blowing guys away with it anymore and or he's not hitting his spots with it. And when you're an older pitcher who relies on a fastball, you either have to have pinpoint control because you got to move that fastball in, out, up, down, and hit your spots. You can't leave it out over the plate and you can't leave it in a hittable spot. Or the velocity has got to still be there to where you can make a mistake with it and guys are going to get it, you know, they're, they're going to end up behind it. Especially if you have something that will move them off of it, like a good changeup or a curveball or something. However... If you're Lance Lynn and everything is roughly the same speed, because that's kind of where old pitchers also go, the variance between the change and the fastball lowers. The variance between the, the off-speed stuff and the fastball lowers. For Lance Lynn, everything being the same pace because he's throwing a four-seamer, a cutter, and a sinker, which are all variations on fastballs, he at least finally had something where guys were looking at it going, wait, that's slower than I anticipated. And then it makes the fastball a little bit faster and everything moves, and there's nothing coming in that's flat. So he got more swinging whiffs. He got 33 swinging whiffs against the Mariners, which is also a high watermark for him. And I think it's because he was trusting the movement and using the stuff to his advantage, still moving the pitches around a little bit, but there was variance in speed and variance in movement for the first time in in a Lance Lynn start in at least two years and probably his entire career. So he was not Lance Lynn on, on when he was on against the Mariners and getting 16 strikeouts. He was somebody else that day. And so I, if he continues to do that going forward, he will get scouted. But to the extent that the stuff still plays and he does have decent movement on the curve, the slider, the changeup, there's some variance in speed and stuff like that, he actually has a chance to turn this thing around. But this is what we've been saying really since the Astros kind of hammered him in the playoffs a couple of years ago. He's got to have something else, right? And maybe this is the moment where he turns a corner and says, all right, I got to reinvent who I am to go forward. And that's something that, for example, Dallas Keuchel refused to do because Keuchel just doubled down on what he had always done, even though the pitches were garbage and, and he couldn't do anything with them because they didn't move the way they used to. He didn't have the velocity he used to. So, when you're seeing that in a fantasy baseball standpoint, the numbers 100% back up that Lance Lynn was a completely different guy against the Mariners and led to 16 Ks. Yeah, it'll just it'll just depend on whether or not teams adjust back to him and if he keeps it up, but it's something to definitely watch the rest of the year. Look, I need you to do me a favor. We're going to need a couple of the uh, Let Burger Cook shirts for the burgers. Uh, oh, yeah, gonna, we can do that. We're going to need one for, for Ashland, and we're going to need one for Jake. I was thinking it's the only shirt we can really give them because Jake can't walk around in, in the locker room with the accountability zero shirtsy, and he can't walk around nope. with the sell the team shirt, and he can't, can't nope. walk around with the Rick Hahn ask me after the parade with the big red F behind it shirt. So nope. <laughs> this is the and, only and one really we can't give walk him. around with the socks in the basement shirt either. <laughs> yeah, so. so this is the only one we could give him. So, <laughs> but but I told Ashley we would get them some shirts. So I need you to take care of that for me, and then maybe in future years he'll be able to wear so many other shirts just for fun when this is all over. Because one day this will all end, right? One day it'll get better. I, I don't know when, but one day it'll get better. But this is this is becoming just one of those White Sox seasons where I'm anticipating more coming out of the locker room, right? I'm anticipating more coming out of the front office. I'm I'm waiting for Pedro to lose it, right? Like he just forgets himself once and he just, and he throws somebody under the bus above him. I know he's trying not to, but it's a long season. There's so much to watch here, you know? I mean, yeah, sure. Maybe they get themselves going and they rattle off 10 straight. And we can all, we can all like hope for that, right? We can all hope for that. But if I had money that I had to put down on something that's going to happen before this year is over, 
there's there's more to come out of all this drama. I think they're just getting started with that. It's going to be an interesting next couple of months. Well, and if that's what we get, if we get as the White Sox turn or White Sox crest or I, I help me out here. I need some more soap opera names. No, no, General I'm not White Sox. With it. I'm not helping you out with it at all. I'm just ending the show telling everybody to go to saxonbasement.com. The White Sox and the Restless. Click on store and get yourself a shirt. Okay, they're twenty bucks. Go grab yourself a shirt. The most the most popular one right now is the Accountability Zero shirt. I, I expect to see a ton yes. of those out at the ballpark. Uh, and uh, thanks so much to our guest and, and get her some shirts. Okay. All right, fine. And then we'll sit back and watch Days of Our White Socks. The one thing I know we're definitely not watching is Dynasty. (laughs) Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.